Father, we just thank you once again this morning. We come to your throne room of grace. We just want to lift your name on high this morning. We want to meditate and study your word. That our minds will be washed once again by the water of your word. That will be sanctified a little more, Father, from the dirt that we would have accumulated over the years, O oh Lord, from this world. Ideas and thoughts and value systems and and priorities that have been accumulated over a period of time. That our soul has accumulated ideas, thoughts, ideologies that we have subscribed to over the years, O oh Lord. And this morning we pray, Father, that even as we come under the fresh supply of water of the word of God. We pray, Father, that you cleanse our minds. Sanctify them. Sanctify us, O Lord, by your truth. And set us apart. Cleanse us a little more. And set us apart a little more so that we can understand your will even more clearly. Your general will that you have for all of us will become even more clearer, that we will have a stronger conviction to that end, and the specific will that you have for all of us, the specific work that you have ordained for us even before the foundation of the world was laid, that we should walk in them, that will become even more clearer to us, O Lord. Grant us grace to that end, we pray. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, Amen. Get ready to make, to prepare to meet our maker is one of the constant admonitions that the prophets used to give Israel. Much of our time on this side of eternity, we are exhorted to spend the time so that we may prepare to meet our God because the day of the Lord, we should not be ashamed. Okay, that's the whole idea. And that is the reason why God is giving us more opportunities to rid our minds and our souls of every thought and value system that we have accumulated from the world to put those value systems to the test and to the standards of the word of God and reject them, identify them, reject them, cast those idols. Stubbornness is as iniquity as idolatry, is what First Samuel chapter 15 will say. Stubbornness, that stubborn ideologies that we have accumulated over a period of time in our, in our sojournings in this world, okay, in all the books that we, have, we might have read, the movies that we might have watched, the, hmm, the degrees that we might have accrued, Hmm. Right? All those value systems. And that is the reason why it says all that is in the world. It doesn't say some things of the world. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father. Therefore, do not love the world, nor the things of this world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And therefore, we are progressing, we are walking, uh, I mean, even during these uh, days of lockdown, we are uh, 
being ready to punish every disobedience, to bring every thought captive to the obedience, and being ready to revenge every disobedience, uh, disobedience when, it, when our obedience is complete. So when our obedience gets complete, it says, if you turn there to Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 onwards, <clears throat> For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, yeah, the strongholds in our minds, those stubborn attitudes, those stubborn ideologies that we idolize and that, that we have worshipped over a period of time, that we thought was great, noble, etc., 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 whatever adjectives that you want to give. And but when we uh, put them to the test and scrutinize them under the lens of the word of God, we find them to be absolutely demonic, worldly, sensual. Okay, world, earthly, sensual, and demonic. Okay, that's, that's, that's the wisdom of this world. So what do we do? We identify those strongholds, those stubborn attitudes, those idols, and we cast down those arguments or pretensions, some other translations will say, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And therefore, we need to grow in the grace of God and we are to grow in the knowledge of God and my people will perish because of the lack of knowledge, right? So, knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When your obedience is complete, you see any disobedience that is raising up in our minds and in our hearts, we need to go after it with a vengeance. Is what we've been exhorted to because we need to prepare ourselves to meet our maker. If you turn with me to Amos chapter 4 and if you can put it first in the um, NASB and then uh, we can put it in the message. I like to read it in the message. I just, I don't want to read from the message sometimes, but sometimes I can't help it. It's so beautiful. But first we'll read it uh, from verse 1, no, from verse 6, brother, 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 6 onwards. Uh, Amos chapter 4 verse 6 onwards. But I gave you also cleanness of teeth in your, all your cities. What is cleanness of teeth? When you eat chocolate, what happens? Yeah, your the entire teeth gets stuck with food. That's exactly what happens. There's no food to get stuck to in, into our teeth. Okay, after you eat your food, what happens? You take those things, you no, know, the toothpick and do all those cleansings. So that, that requirement was not there. Okay, no requirement of taking the toothpick and cleaning your teeth. So I gave you cleanness of teeth. How? And lack of bread in all your places. There was no bread at all. So they, you didn't have to brush your teeth. I mean, you had to brush your teeth uh, just to ensure that you don't have bad breath. Maybe that was the only reason why. But no food to eat, yet you have not turned to me, declares the Lord. And then he goes on to say, furthermore, I withheld rain from you. Well, there were still three months until harvest. Then I would send rain on one city and on another city I would not send rain. One part would be rain while the other part would dry up, would uh, not rain and would dry up. So two or three cities would stagger to another city to drink water but would not be satisfied. Yet you have not turned unto me. I smote you with scorching wind and mildew and the caterpillar was devouring uh, or locusts were devouring and many gardens and vineyards, fig trees and olive trees. Yet you have not turned to me declares the Lord. And then what happens? I sent a, what? A plague among you. After the manner of Egypt, I slew your young men by the sword along with your captured horses and I made the stench of your camp rise up to your nostrils, yet you have not turned unto me, says the Lord. You see, all these I have sent, 
but you have not turned to me. Look at what it says in the message. The message captures it even more interestingly. But you'll get the idea. Don't just get carried away by only the letter. Understand the spirit behind the letter. Okay. Amos chapter 4 and verse 6 onwards. You know, don't you, that I am the one who emptied your pantries and cleaned out your cupboards. Who left you hungry and standing in bread lines? I like that. But you never got hungry for me. You see that lines near supermarkets? Bread lines? But you never got hungry for me. You continue to ignore me. God's decree. Then, yes, I am the one who stopped the rains three months short of harvest. I'd make it rain on one village, but not another. I'd make it, I'd make it rain on one field, but not another. And that would not, and, and that one would dry up. People would stagger from village to village, craze for water and never quenching their thirst. But you never got thirsty for me. You never were hungry for me. You never were thirsty for me. That is the reason why Jesus says, no? He says, do not labor for the bread that perishes, but labor for the bread that endures unto eternal life and I am the bread. You ought to be hungry after me. If you eat this, you will you'll feel again hungry. But if you hunger after me, you will always be satisfied. You ignored me, says the Lord. Verse 8 and verse 9. I hit your crops with disease and without your orchards and gardens, locusts devoured your olive and fig trees, but you continued to ignore me. I revisited you with the old Egyptian plagues. Killed your choice young men and prized horses. The stink of rot in your camps was so strong that you held your nose. But you did not notice me. You continued to ignore me. See, the whole idea is that we turn back to God. Right? And then it goes on to say, I hit you with earthquake and fire. Left you devastated like Sodom and Gomorrah. You were like a burning stick snatched from the flames. Flames, But you never looked my way. You continued to ignore me. And verse 12 will say, And this I have done to Israel. And this is why I have done it. Time's up, O Israel. Prepare to meet your God. Kya baat? Time's up. Prepare to meet your God. Time's up. It's time. So we need to be prepared. That's the whole idea of whole of, of, of these 47th day, if I'm right today. Yeah. Uh, today's the 7th. Yeah. 7th of May plus 30 days. That is uh, 37 plus 11. Yeah. 48 days. 48 days of um, the lockdown. Mm, 12 more doors, days for, so that we'll finish two months. So, how are things is the question. Are we prepared? Are, at least our minds are inclined towards God's word. Are we started, have we started thinking the way God thinks? Has his value system become our value system? Or, like Pastor said last night, are we only waiting for the things to get better? That this thing is only a phase. This too shall pass. And I'm waiting, you know, so that after this is over, I'm going to go back with a bang to all my old ways of life. See, for example, um, think about it. No, the lockdown has not changed people's habits. A little respite and their cues. It's amazing. It's amazing. You would think at least people would hate their sin and their habits and they would say, you know, at least let me just give up. No. The heart of man is absolutely deceitful. So the external circumstances will not change our heart. Okay. That's the point. 
I did all these things, all the external situations I changed, but you ignored me. I caused you to hunger, but you were not hungry for me. I caused you to thirst, but you were not thirsty for me. I caused you to have plagues in your cities, but you ignored me. Now he says, time's up. Prepare to meet your God. So this side of eternity, what we want to do is, we want to have a sober mind, right? Like like we said, be sober minded and watchful unto prayer, is what First Peter chapter 4 will say. Yesterday we looked at that, right? Last night. Okay. So, what, what we do is, this morning, we look at, we are looking at Exodus. We are looking at, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. That's the quintessential commandment, if you will, if you will. From there, you will have every other, if you break that commandment, every other commandment by nature, by, 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 uh, default you will break. In fact, breaking of that commandment, I mean, breaking of any other commandment in the ten commandments, you can actually trace it to the breaking of the first commandment. You can trace it to that. Actually, look at verse 13 of Amos chapter 4. It's very interesting. Prepare to meet your God. Verse 13. Look who's here. Mountain shaper, wind maker. He laid out the whole plot before Adam. He brings everything out of nothing. Like dawn out of darkness. He strides across the Alpine ridges. His name is God. God of the angel armies or we say Lord of Yehovah Shabbat. Yeah. So we prepare ourselves. So one of the things that we look at last night, we looked at First Corinthians chapter ten, right? Please turn to First Corinthians chapter ten and verses one to eleven. Moreover, brothers, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. Now, you, when you read read this particular verse, you have to also keep in mind the previous verses. You don't have to turn there. The previous verse which says, Paul says. I beat my body and bring it to subjection so that having pre- preached to others, I myself should not be disqualified. Okay. So I beat my body. Why do I beat my body? Because I, this is the, the next chapter follows. Moreover, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Okay, all ate the same spiritual food, all ate the same spiritual drink for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, that rock, Jesus Christ. And then, but with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after the things that they also lusted. Okay. That we should not become idolaters as some of them became idolaters as it is written. The people sat down to eat and to drink and rose out to play. Let us not, let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 3,000, uh, sorry, 23,000 fell. And verse 9, uh, let us not tempt Christ. Verse 10, nor complain. And verse 11, it says, now all these things happened to them as they were for our admonition upon whom the, what has come? Ends of the ages are come. So they have happened to them as examples upon, so that we can learn because we have upon us had the ends of the ages have come. So we are preparing for that, for that very reason. Alright. And therefore the first thing that we want to tackle today, that neither shall we become what? Id- <coughs> idolaters. 
as some some of them became and the people it says they sat down to eat and to drink and they rose up to play that is verse 7 if you will and do not become idolaters first corinthians chapter 7 as some of them became as it is written the people sat down to eat to drink and rose up to play i want to concentrate on this particular verse <clears throat> i want to look at when did this happen <clears throat> and when did this happen? We know it very well. It happened in Exodus chapter 32. So let us go to Exodus chapter 32. And let us try to unpack one word. Just one word for today. One word can take quite a bit of time. <clears throat> when the people saw that Moses delayed coming from the mountain, the people gathered together Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters and bring them to me. So the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears, brought them to Aaron and he received the gold from their hand, fashioned it with the engraving tool, made a golden calf. Then they said, this is your God. Who said? Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, or God's O Israel that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And verse 6, so they rose up early in the morning the next day, offered burnt offerings, brought up, brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink, and rose up to play. That's the word. just wanted to look at one verse. Chapter 32 and verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed. That's the word. That is when idolatry started. When they saw Moses delayed. When did idolatry start? When they saw that Moses delayed. It's a very interesting word. The word delay. Every other place in the Old Testament, this particular word is rendered or is translated as ashamed. Okay. Now look at this. Let us, let us read this verse. Now when the people saw that Moses caused them to be ashamed. Now you need to ask yourself this question. How could Moses cause them to be ashamed? Is a question. Right? How did Moses cause them to be ashamed? Let me explain this to you. Let us assume that uh, um, that I called uh, Roshan to my place for lunch. Okay? He said, Roshan, 12 o'clock, please be there. Okay? To my place for lunch. So, Roshan says, okay, Pastor, he just called me and uh, for lunch. So, he comes and just imagine that both Justin and me are not at home. Only Abigail and Emmanuel are there. Okay, we are gone. Out. So, so Roshan comes. He says, house is empty. Okay, well, Abigail and Emmanuel are there. So, he comes inside and he says, okay, where's mommy and daddy? They asked you to wait. They're coming. I didn't give uh, Moses, I mean, sorry, Roshan any call. I said, please be there. We'll have lunch together. So he waits. One o'clock. No sign. Is there food on the table? No food on the table. 
Mama said she'll come back and cook. So, and both Abigail and Emmanuel are having their fruits. Okay, and Moses, Roshan is waiting. One, two, three, four, five. Still hasn't come back. Not even a phone call. Now, what has happened? To Roshan, he says, how dare this man calls me? He's giving an example. He wasted five to six hours of my time. He has put me to shame. You got the context now? Okay. How long should I wait? No, just imagine um, you call your boss to your home now. Hmm? You call your boss to your home and you make them wait like that. What have, you, what have you done? You put them to shame, basically. So you have not given him dignity by attending to him. Or, in other words, you thought that you were so important a person that the person who has called you has to give you importance by attending to you. That is the reason why when the people saw that Moses has put them to shame by Delaying his coming. How long is he going to take now? You understand? That is the reason why how we handle God's delays is such an important thing for us. Okay. Now, look, think about this. Think about this. What was Moses doing on top of the mountain is a question. That is also an important question for us to understand. What, what, what is going on with Moses? What is Moses doing there? Now Moses was doing two things. First he was receiving the Ten Commandments. No, no, no. This is not just go there and sir, Lord, tell me your Ten Commandments is to write. No, no, no. These are all spiritual commandments and he has to wait there in the presence of the Lord for six days in that smoke. Come up and be there, it says in number Exodus chapter 24, and Joshua and, Ex- and Moses go on to the top of the mountain and they are waiting for six days and after six days, of waiting in the midst of that that smoky cloud. Okay, now think about it. No, have you ever been in smoke? You want to come out? It was it was not a pleasant place to be in for six days. So he was there for six days. He was receiving the Ten Commandments, and not only Ten Commandments. What else was he receiving? Exactly, he was receiving the instructions as to how to make the tabernacle, the precise instructions as to how to make the tabernacle. Why? Because God wanted to come and dwell among his people. And he says, I am a holy God and I want to dwell in the midst of the people and in order for me to, as a holy God, there is an order. I just don't give random instructions. I give precise instructions as to how you should make the ark so that when I come there, I don't fall upon you and consume you. So I want to receive instructions. I want to receive a message from God. A message which will cause the Holy God to come and dwell in our midst. Now think about that. That is the message he was receiving. So in delaying what is spiritually happening, Moses was preparing a message that will cause the people of Israel to prepare themselves so that God can come and dwell in their midst. 
Am I right? Okay, that's that's precisely the point. Now, in the New Testament, what does it say? God does not dwell in temples made with hands. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what do we need? We need instructions which will ensure that we cleanse this temple that God has given us so that we can make, we can ensure that the presence of the Holy God can dwell in us first. That is the reason why he says, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Because, why? Because we are the temple of the living God. How do you know this? Turn to Second Corinthians chapter 6 and, the, and read the last two verses and then go to chapter 7 and the last, uh, and the first verse. Look at what it says. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be your father and you shall be my sons and daughters. In fact, verse 16 will say, I will be among them. I will dwell among them. I will tabernacle among them. I will be among them. I will be to them a father and they shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. And seven one will say, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So what do we need? We need a message which will ensure that we cleanse ourselves so that when God comes, he finds a place which is clean so that he can dwell in our midst. So Moses was preparing a, in other words, he was preparing a message which will prepare the congregation so that God can dwell in the midst. So what did people get impatient with? They exactly they got impatient with the message. You got it? They got impatient with the message. In fact, they said this message causes us to be put to shame. You got the point? You understood? Look at what it says in First Corinthians chapter three, verse nine. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. Okay. You are God's field. I'm also included here. And you are, you are God's building. So what is he doing? Next. As a wise master builder, according to the grace of God which was given me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and any, another one builds on it, but let everyone take heed How he builds. Why? You are not preparing any ordinary house. You are preparing a house where God will come and dwell in. You are not just not preparing some ordinary house for anybody. So that the very presence of God will come and dwell in. And verse 16, look at what it says in verse 16. Do you not know that what? You are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And then, verse 17, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And therefore we need a message which will prepare. Because our that's what we say, right? We, we sing that song, Lord prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, let me be a living sanctuary for you. Why do we sing that song? We, we also sing that song because we know that a God who is coming to dwell in our midst is no ordinary God. is a God who is holy, who will not tolerate any sin. He will not tolerate any 
uncleanness or filthiness in our flesh or even in our spirit. And therefore we need a message which will ensure that God can come and dwell in us. And what is that message? I'll tell you. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Yeah, I have been crucified with Christ. Okay, it is no longer I who live. Who lives in me? Ah, Christ lives in me. That is the reason why he tells the Corinthian church: examine yourself, test yourself, and know. Examine, test, no, or test, examine, know whether who's in you. Because the life that you live, it should not be your life, it should be the life of Christ inside of you. So I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. So what I'm doing, I no longer am living. Who's living? Christ is living uh, through me. And in order for Christ to live me, I should ensure that Christ is comfortable in me. And in, I know that Christ is holy. Holy Spirit is holy. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. I want this place to be a clean sanctuary so that the life of Christ can be made manifest through me. And therefore I need a message which will prepare my heart and my life and my soul, essentially, to be a sanctuary. I don't want to be ashamed with that message. That's the whole point. So how do I get rid of idolatry? Because I'll get rid of idolatry by ensuring that I die to every idol in my life. And I need a message. And what is a message? It is a message of the cross. You got it? So when, when did idolatry start? When they saw that they, Moses delayed. In other words, when they saw that Moses was putting them to shame by preparing a message which will cause the very presence of the living God to dwell among them. In other words, they they were ashamed of the message of the cross. That's the whole point. You see, one word delay. One word delay. Just delay. Has got so much of meaning. And that is a spiritual inclination, my dear brothers. That is one thing which causes us to go towards idolatry. You know why? Because we don't like this message. It doesn't titillate our flesh. It causes us to put to death everything that we have learned in the flesh. Now let me tell you something. Let us let us assume that we have invested so much of our life in in um, like for, in doing good, for example. Like, for example, Pastor was saying something yesterday, right? We have we have done a lot of good to people. We have given to people. We have done so many good things. But ultimately, God says, I have never asked you to do it. It has become what? An idol. I've invested, you know, one of the things that is to ask people, you know, uh, I can't understand. I've studied so hard. I've invested so much of my life to you know, to become what I want to become. And God is calling me something totally different. Well, yeah, he's called you. Are you going to put this aside? See, that's a message. What should I do to gain eternal life? Keep the commandments. Which ones? (laughs) Which ones? Oh my goodness. This guy is going to tick off all the commandments, huh? 
One commandment is definitely sure thou shall not covet. Uh, are you sure that you never coveted anything? Let me prove to you that you are a coveter. Do one thing. Sell all that you have. Distribute to the poor. You will have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. That's a message that doesn't, that guy doesn't like. You mean to say, come on, I'm a good, don't you know that I have obeyed my parents right from my childhood? That I never committed adultery? That I never, um, uh, what, dishonor my parents? I did all these things and you are saying that it is not enough? And Jesus Christ looks at him and he says in Mark's Gospel chapter 6, if I'm right, he says, he loved him, he says. In other words, he saw potential in him. A tremendous potential. But he says, what do you lack? What do you lack? One thing, yeah, exactly. One thing you lack. One thing you lack to complete you. You are still an incomplete man. Smash every idol and come and follow me. That is a message. That's a message. You know what? He went back, what? Depressed, sorrow, very sorrowful. You know why? Because he was a man of great wealth. Now if he gives up all of those things, he will be put to shame and he doesn't like that. You see, that is a message which challenges every heart. That is how we get rid of idolatry. There's only one way of getting rid of idolatry and therefore every Filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. What is it? The message of the cross. Which is what? Foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. It is a stumbling block to the Jews and a a, a foolishness to the Greeks. But to us who are being saved, it's the wisdom of God and the power of God. So let us look at one passage which actually (laughs) tells us enumerates how we do this. How we ensure that we apply the message of the cross in our lives. We know this very well, passage very well, but let us look at it for the 275th time. Okay. I didn't preach so many sermons, but so I'm just using a hyperbole. Mark's Gospel chapter 8, let's read from verse 27 onwards. Jesus, yeah, now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi and on the road he asked his disciples saying to them, who do you men, who do men say I am? So they answered John the Baptist, but some say Elijah and others say one of the prophets. And then, you know this, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. Then they, then he strictly warned them that they should not tell this to anyone. No, okay. And he began to what? Teach. I like that. This is the most important thing. He was not telling them, he was teaching them. What was he teaching them? The message of the cross. Okay. And he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer. Meaning, you also should suffer. Okay. If we suffer with him, then we will reign with him. Okay. And be rejected 
that means you will also be rejected you will suffer many things and be rejected by the who by the elders the chief priests the scribes and be killed you must suffer you must be rejected and you must be and after 3 days you will rise again he spoke this word openly <laughs> okay he spoke this word openly look at that means he was telling many people are there okay they, even the crowds are there according to this con- particular gospel the crowds are also there then peter took him aside and began to rebuke him what was he rebuking him lord but when he turned around and looked at his disciples he looked at his disciples he turned around looked at his disciples meaning he was telling everybody okay i know peter spoke for all of you maybe you had a small uh, Oh, group discussion. What is the master teaching? Is he out of his mind? Okay, okay, Peter, you go and tell him. Okay, just ask him to stop saying all this. Come on, how can he die like this? Come on, he's such a nice man. Okay, okay, Peter said, okay, okay, okay. I'll I'll go and talk to the master. So he <laughs> he took him aside and and he turned around and looked at his disciples. I know you fellows, you had a discussion. Okay, I'm going to speak to all of you now. He rebuked Peter, saying, "Get behind me, Satan." For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of a man. What are you mindful of? You are mindful, meaning you have the mindset of man, but you do not have the mindset of God. In other words, you have the mindset of the natural, and you do not have the mindset of the supernatural. You don't have the mind, you have the mindset of flesh. You don't have the mindset of the spirit. That is the reason why it says the carnal mind, is in enmity against God and does not submit to the things of God and indeed it cannot. The word cannot means powerless. Absolutely powerless. Okay, It cannot submit to the things of God. So what are you mindful of? Your mind. What are we doing? Through our study of the word of God, we are taking the word of God and confronting every dirt in our mind. That dirt is not necessarily dirty thoughts. It could be noble thoughts too. You should not suffer. eh? Come on. Let be this, let, let be this, let, uh, this be far from you, it says in Matthew chapter 16. He says, be it far from thee, O Lord, that you should suffer. And Jesus immediately recognizes that is not the value system of God. It is a value system from the devil. Because that which is earthly, it is sensual and it is demonic. He recognizes that. Get behind me, Satan. You are mindful, not of the things of God, but of the things that are of men. And then when he looked, then he had called the people to himself. So there are crowds over there. There are disciples over there. And there's Peter, <laughs> the spokesperson for all of them, in, uh, most mostly to the disciples. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples, also he said to them, look at this, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And he gives Five four statements. How many statements? Five four statements. That is the reason. He is making this entire uh, message of the cross to be, to hang upon five pillars, if you will. Five supporting arguments. And look at those supporting arguments. Four. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will, my sake and the gospels will save it. 
my sake. And the gospel. Both important. Okay. Why gospel? Why gospel? Gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. It is by the gospel that the secrets of men will be judged. Okay. Gospel is good news. It's a proclamation. There's a gospel. And it is a gospel which declares the value system of the world and the value system of the kingdom. At least three things it does. Right? So what happens? For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel's sake will save it. And this next fourth statement. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Third fourth statement. For what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Four. Four, actually four, five, four statements. For whoever is ashamed, you see that now? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father. Four, four statements, not five. Four, four statements. Four pillars upon which this whole uh, message of the cross is Based upon. In order that we might be prepared to be a what? A sanctuary for the Holy Spirit to dwell. And that the life of Christ will begin to emanate from our lives. There's only one life. It is called the crucified life. A.W. Tozer wrote a book. Okay. The crucified life. If you read it, you will only hang your head in shame. Okay. The cross of Jesus Christ was one of the most um, incredible um, messages. All right. So, what is this? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man also will be afraid, ashamed when he comes to, uh, comes in the glory of his father and the holy angels. So, if you are ashamed of this, of this message, I will also be ashamed of you. So, let us understand in greater detail as to what these four things are. What is the cross? You have to exchange your life for my life. That's what he says. Meaning, meaning my life for the life of God. That is the cross. My life for your life. Now the word for life is very interesting. And it comes from the Greek word which means soul. My soul to your soul. Meaning at least three things. My will for your will. My thoughts for your thoughts. And my emotions for your emotions. As I was, I'm very careful, okay? Now we are becoming very biblical after having all the study. First the will, then the thoughts, and then the emotions. Why did I start with the will? If any man wills to do his will, that is the most important thing. So what is the whole idea here? What am I, how do I understand the message of the cross? Or how do I prepare myself for the life of Christ to be emanating from me? First thing I do, I exchange my life for his life. Why do I exchange it? Very simple, because he exchanged my sin for his righteousness. He exchanged my curse for his blessing. He exchanged my poverty for his riches. So if he has done this, it is, and that that means he owns me. And therefore he has got every right 
for me to for for him to demand this of me and therefore what do i do because he has exchanged my sin for his righteousness because he exchanged my curse for his blessing because he exchanged my poverty for his riches therefore what do i do i exchange my life for his life in other words i exchange my will for his will i exchange my thoughts for his thoughts and i exchange my emotions for his emotions most of us are very emotional people no our emotions are all warped emotions. And some people don't even have emotions. So that's okay. That is also an emotion. Not having an emotion is also an emotion. It's okay. Mm. Let us see how we exchange first my will for his will. In other words, he says, you have to lose your will in order to save, <laughs> save it, basically. You have to save life means you, whoever desires to, uh, if anyone loses his life, will save it. So you have to lose your will first. So John 7, 17, we will go there for the first time. And then we will look at so many other places, several times. And I want us to look in some passages in message so that we get the message. Okay. I'm uh, going, repeating certain things, but it is okay to repeat. No, no problem. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. Okay, so so what is the first thing in order to know, you have to will. What did I say? In order to know, we have to will. Willing is the key to knowing. Knowing is not the key to willing. Willing is the key to knowing. If I surrender, then I will know. Only when I surrender, I will have revelation. Like yesterday, we heard it, no? Revelation is given to servants, not for anybody else. Those people who are under the lordship of Jesus Christ are given revelation. Turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. In, in the NASB, if you don't mind, please. Actually, uh, verse, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 onwards, bro. In the NASB. Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his, who? Bond servants. Well, isn't it amazing? The revelation is not given to everybody, Baba. It is given only to bond servants. Now, by the word, the word revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means something which is hidden. And if I have to, if, if it has to be, it's like, you know, putting something in a box. What is there for dinner? Tiffin box open, you have a revelation. That is essentially what the idea is. Okay. Something which was hidden and now it has been, it has been revealed. Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bond servants that the things which must soon take place and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bond servant. John, I like that. So the revelation comes from one bond servant to another bond servant. Now think about it. I might be speaking the word from out of my head. And I may not be a bond servant. But I'm just speaking the word. But you being a bond servant, what are you getting? Revelation. See, therefore it doesn't much depend upon the <laughs> upon the speaker. If you have if you have an attitude of a bond servant, what happens? You of every message you will get a revelation. That is the reason why what we need is circumcised ears. What did I say? Circumcised. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 4, I think, if I'm right. 
Jeremiah. We'll come back to this place again. Uh, sorry, one second. Uh, six ten or six four? Yeah, six ten. Six ten. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are closed and they cannot listen. Behold, the word of God has become a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Next verse. Where it says it's uncircumcised ears. Is this uh, NASB? Oh, oh, can you put this in KJV if you don't mind, please? Yeah? In, in KJV? In KJV has uncircumcised, right? Yeah. That's what I thought. Look at what it says. Verse 10, bro. Verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Indeed, their ear is. Uncircumcised me is not just completely separated to God. That's a bond, bond servant. He was willingly given the most important part of his body, ear and tongue, both parts of the body, instruments. Two instruments we need. Because our ear will determine our tongue and our tongue will determine our destiny. Because you know, sorry, a little rudder will turn the entire ship. Okay, so what is a little rudder? Our tongue. Okay, our body is controlled ultimately by our tongue, essentially. Okay, and they cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. You see that? Therefore, we need this attitude. We need this, first of all, an attitude of a bond servant. Okay, an attitude of a bond servant. He owns me. Let's go back now. Then what happens? Then the moment we have an attitude of the bond servant, we begin to do his will. First, the general will. What is the general will? We know it, no? Turn to First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 to 7. 3 to 8. What is the general will? For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from... Sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Meaning, what it tells me is this, everybody has one problem. They know their specific struggles. Therefore, you should know what your struggles are. And you have to keep on fighting. And then go on. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage and defraud another brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of such, as we have also forewarned you. And verse eight, 7 and 8, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. And then, therefore he who rejects this does not reject man, but God. You see that? He who rejects this, does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. First thing is that. Alright, and then, we know this very well. Again, the same Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18. Hmm. What does it say? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. We know this very well again. And then, First Peter chapter 2 verse 13 to 17. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Actually, the word is institution. Okay, ordinance meaning institution of man. For the Lord's sake, whether to be the king or supreme or to the governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For 
This is the will of God that by doing good, what is that doing? What is that doing good by submitting to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake? That is the will of God that by doing good that you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. Everything ultimately it is a bond servant attitude. This is the will of God. By doing good. Meaning what? This is something very important. No, Having a submissive attitude is such an important thing. Submissive. A meek, gentle and a quiet spirit. It is not only for the women. It is for all of us. Because in one case, we are all the bride of Christ. A meek, gentle and a quiet spirit. One of the things that we have to constantly say, Lord, let me be gentle. Gentleness, in meekness, who, who through opposite, so that I can, I can win or win those people who are in opposition through meekness. So I can speak the truth so that have, after having known the truth that they'll, that God may perhaps grant them what? Repentance. In meekness, in gentleness, grant us that grace, Lord, that we will be a people. That, that is one true grace that we could, we should practice to be kind, to be affectionate, loving, giving, Okay, that is to submit, have a meek, gentle and a quiet, submissive spirit. And that is strength. You know that? Because when you are submissive, God is with you. And therefore you are strong. Why? It says, I the Lord, whom is the high and lofty, I dwell in eternity and also with a man. Who has a humble and a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. That means he has a fear of God, basically. Okay, so this is the will of God. By doing good, being submissive, having that meek, gentle attitude and saying, Lord, grant me the grace, O Lord, that I will be gentle and kind to people. 3.17, First Peter. And in this process, something might happen to you. What is that? For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer, right? <laughs> you can, you would suffer, for sure. As I told you, right, the message of the cross, suffer, reject, Kill. Three things can happen. For all those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus, will suffer, not may, will suffer persecution. If we suffer with him, then we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will, oh no, sorry, if we are, ah yeah, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he will still remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. That's a very important Lesson for all of us. It is better if it is a will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Therefore, by doing good, what should you do? You should put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Why are people in darkness? Simply because believers are not doing the will of God in submitting to authority. Simple. Why are people? What is ignorance? Ignorance means darkness. That your very life should be light to the Gentiles. It says, no, the light to enlighten the Gentiles. Who said that? Your life, yeah, the life of Jesus Christ will be the light to enlighten the Gentiles. Turn there actually. Luke's Gospel chapter 2 verse uh, uh, 26 onwards if I'm right. We looked at that yesterday. And it has been revealed. Okay, verse 27. And he came by the Holy Spirit and when the parents... Yeah, when the parents brought in the child to Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. And then it says, Lord, verse 29, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. And then he says, Lord, 
for my eyes have seen your salvation. Something very interesting he says. Yeah, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. A light to bring a revelation to the Gentiles. The word is apocalypse, apocalypsos, again by the way. A light to bring revelation. So those people are living in darkness. In him was the life and that life was the light of men and when we have that life of Jesus Christ flowing through us and when we submit ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, what happens? We put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. We show them what it is to live, to have light, which is revelation. And then they look at us and say, this is what a Christian is, who a Christian is. A light. Light. Alright, so this is the will of God. By doing good, that you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That is the reason why. Let your light shine in darkness so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, so first thing. Exchange your will to his will. And we know this will, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and this body is not for sexual immorality and therefore, this is the will of God, my sanctification, that I keep myself from sexual immorality. And this day and age, more so. Oh, I messed up in that area, brother. God is able to change your life. Change your life. I messed up, you might say. My mind is completely saturated with evil thoughts. God is able to change that mind. He is able to give you the very mind of Christ if you are willing. But are you willing? Are you willing? That is the reason why it says in Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 12. Let us see. What should you have? If there be first a willing mind. You know how a willing mind comes? First Peter chapter 3 verse 8. In ESV if you have. Well, ESV will be great. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. If you have a willing mind, that means you have a humble mind. Essentially, meaning willing means you are humble basically. If there be first a willing mind, Isaiah chapter 1 verses 19 and 20. Isaiah chapter 1 verses 19 and 20. What does it say? If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Uh, Other translations use the word best of the land. And if you refuse, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now, these messages are very, very, very difficult for people. That is the reason why they don't like it. That is what delay is. They are ashamed of these kinds of messages. Because it doesn't glorify self. It says you put to you put to death the deeds of the body. Okay. So if, if there be first a willing mind, so therefore it should be a willing mind. In order to get a willing mind, first you have to will yourself. If anyone wills to do his will, the will has to be bent, my dear brothers. Okay. It's a crooked will we have. We are bent in a particular direction, and that has to be made straight by the will of God, by the grace of God. Okay, we made straight in the name of Jesus. The cross has to be applied in those areas. Second, what did I say? I exchange my will for his will. Second, I exchange 
my thoughts for his thoughts. We know this very well. I want you to look at first Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 in the, uh, in the, in KJV or in SB5. But verses 1 to 7 in the message, okay? First is Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 to 8 to 9 and then 1 to 1 to 9 also in the message maybe, okay? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways, your ways. Okay, that is the reason why he says, Moses tells Lord, show me your ways. And what does Jesus say? My presence will go with you. Meaning, my faces will go with you. I will guide you with my face. I mean, I will show you. I will show you what my both sides are. So that you will know the goodness of God and the severity of God. The terror of the Lord and the love of God. And the patience of God. Both you need to know. A balanced approach. Okay. For your thoughts are not my thoughts. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. For as the heavens is high above the earth, so great are my ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So in order to get this, to get to this point, how do we go, how do we go about it? Now turn to one to nine. I want to go this, I, I know your thoughts are, so, but I want those thoughts. I want to think the way you think. How do I do it? It says in Isaiah chapter 55, verses one to nine in the message. Okay. Hey there. <laughs> I like that. Kuncham light into the garden, but it's still okay. All who are thirsty, come to water. Are you penniless? Come anyway. Buy and eat. Come buy your drinks. Buy wine and milk. Buy without money. Everything is... Isn't it amazing? The things of God which are most precious. They're free. Why do you spend your money on junk food? I like that. This is exactly what we are doing, you know, in these last days. I'm not just not talking about physical food. We are spending time on money on nonsense food. It says a time will come and people will not endure sound doctrine. Look at what he says. Why do you spend your money on junk food? Your hard-earned cash on candy cotton. Cotton candy. I like that because I never thought that Eugene Peterson used cotton candy. Your hard-earned cash on cotton candy. Have you seen cotton candy? Oh, you should see how children love cotton candy. The one thing that when I took my children to Vizag, no? Daddy, candy cotton, candy cotton, cotton candy, cotton candy, cotton candy. Till I buy their cotton candy, they will not, you know, uh, let go of me. So I have to buy those huge things. They look so huge. Two, three bites, it's over. Nothing there. What are you doing? Sir, 50 rupees one cotton candy. It's junk food. Hard earned cash on cotton candy. What are you doing? Listen to me. Listen, well, eat only the best. Fill yourselves with only the finest. You know, when we go to the restaurants, what's the best you have on the menu? Do we, don't we say that? We are, the, we are gourmets, we are connoisseurs of, of, of fantastic food, aren't we? What's on the menu? And we go home, what's the first thing? What did you make for dinner? You're hard on cash on cotton candy. What are you doing? He says, listen to me. Listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourselves with only the finest. And then goes on. Pay attention. Bah, I love that. Come close now. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. That means, 
whenever you listen to a word, first of all, what should you take part of? Life. My words are two things. First, they should get spirit and they should, you should also get life. What is that life in the, in the, in the, in the Greek? What life? Zoe, yes. Not normal bios. Bios means biological life. That is earthly life. Zoe means which is heavenly life. So the, the words that I give to you, they are spirit and they are Zoe. Don't become biologists. Become zoologists is what pastor preached so many years back. Maybe you can put that in the uh, discussion box later on. God, okay. Zoe, that's the life that we need to be partakers of. And what is the food that you're eating, my dear brothers? He's saying, that's what I told you, no? Whatever you eat becomes you. If you eat Christ, you will become Christ. If you eat junk, you will become junk. Simple. And most of what we eat in the physical is a reflection of what we eat in the physical, in the spiritual. I'll tell you why. Because we don't have the patience, right? Why do we go for junk food? Because we don't want what? Delay. When Moses delayed only, we don't want delay. We want everything now. We don't like filter coffee. Today, past, uh, our great man gave us gave me filter coffee. What taste, Baba? That's like a remarkable taste. Filter coffee is filter coffee. Brew is brew. Brew, brew is nonsense. Filter coffee is filter coffee. I tell you, there's a, a sea difference between the two. You know why? Because it takes a lot of time to do this. Eight hours of something, something, something you need to do for the whole thing to filter down and the and the decoction or whatever you want to call it to filter down and come and that thickness, that flavor, the taste, the smell and then it comes into your milk and you put some sugar and you smell it, that's it. Caffeine just gets into your system just like that. That's what he says. The very words that I speak to you should bring spirit, life. Spirit means breath. And so he, food. You see, that's exactly what he's saying. Pay attention, come close now. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing food, which is, how much do you, have to pay, do you have to pay for it? Free. Only thing you need to do is one thing. You have to deny yourself, you have to wait. That's what pastor was saying yesterday, right? So four things he mentioned. Waiting, per- patience, perseverance, and endurance. Four things. And these are the Four messages of the cross to wait upon God, to be patient with the things that are, that, that are around us, to endure and to persevere. Endure and to persevere. I'm trying to control my 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 my, my tone of my voice. We need to endure and we need to persevere. And we don't want anything easy. No, easy come, easy go is the saying. Right? The revelation should come. I'm not saying that it should, it, it should, it should come when you have died to your flesh. That should, that, that is when you value it. Okay, so pay attention. Only thing is that it should not be, you should die to your flesh. You have to prepare your ears. You should have uncircumcised, you should have circumcised ears. That means you should have an attitude of a bond servant, meaning your will is the master's will. Your wish is my command. That's what Moses says, you know. In that movie, Ten Commandments. His father says, are you going to build a city for me? Your wish is my command. Your wish is my will or something like that. Tumari agya sarankhopar. Sarankhopar, right? Am I right? Yeah, sarankhopar. Meaning, I'm just going to, I'm going to 
నీ ఆజ్ఞకి శిరసాహ వహిస్తాను అని బేసికలీ అంటే ఐ జస్ట్ బెండ్ మై హెడ్ అండ్ బౌ మై హెడ్ టు యువర్ కమాండ్ అండ్ ఐ డూ ఇట్ నాట్ అవుట్ ఆఫ్ కంపల్షన్ బట్ బికాస్ ఐమ్ అ బాండ్ సర్వెంట్ ఐ లవ్ యూ ఐమ్ అ బాండ్ సర్వెంట్ ఆఫ్ జీజస్ క్రైస్ పాల్ అ బాండ్ సర్వెంట్ ఆఫ్ జీజస్ క్రైస్ దట్స్ హౌ రోమన్ స్టార్ట్స్ పాల్ అ బాండ్ సర్వెంట్ ఆఫ్ జీజస్ క్రైస్ కాల్ టు బి అన్ అపాసల్ separated for the gospel of god which he has prepared even before the foundations of the lord etc 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 we can go on it's a beautiful attitude to have the attitude of a bond servant so that you can know his thoughts and that he can give you his revelation pay attention come close now listen carefully to my life giving life nourishing words i am making a lasting covenant commitment with you the same that i made with david sure solid enduring love beautiful no? i set up him set him up as a witness to the nations made him a prince and a leader of the nations this is talking about jesus a prophecy of him and i'm now i'm going i'm doing it to you you will summon nations you you you've never heard of and nations which you have never heard of you will come running to you because of me your god because of the holy one of israel and uh, holy one of israel has honored you see god while he may be found pray to him while he is at close close at hand where is this quoted it is quoted in second corinthians chapter 6 verse 2 that is where the whole concept of uh, you know your body being a temple of the holy spirit etc comes okay and god is god wants us to become a sanctuary and then go on verse 7 and 8 let the wicked abandon their way of life and the evil their way of thinking that's what it says a wicked forsake his way and unrighteous man let him forsake his thoughts so what should he do he has to exchange my thoughts for your thoughts let them come back to god who is merciful come back to our god who is lavish with forgiveness don't think the way you think the way you work is in the way i work God's decree. For as a sky, sky soars, etc. So what do you do? My life-giving, life-nourishing words. Come, wait, wait at my feet. Learn from me this message. Exchange his thoughts for our thoughts. In other words, have a mind, a mindset, which is willing to exchange my thoughts for his thoughts. Go to you are still on message right yes okay stay on message go to first peter chapter 4 verses 1 to 5 since jesus went through everything that you are going through and more <laughs> i like that <laughs> okay jesus went through everything that you are going through um, of course no, no what are we going through we are going through a few period of fasting only and not fasting feasting so definitely jesus i don't know whether he went through so much as we we are going through that itself has become a suffering now we are eating too much and that has become suffering <laughs> since <laughs> roshan is laughing which is true no roshan emantadane aakalito tini tini alispeyo basically tini tini alispeyo and we ate and ate and ate and we got tired of eating oh, man it was so exhausting we ate so much okay <laughs> so it's like that since jesus went through everything you are going through at least not not this part for sure since jesus went through everything you are going through and more learn to think like him i like that actually other, other translations will use the word arm yourselves with the same mind or the same way of thinking learn to think like the way he thinks 
think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Kya baat hai? That was, what was your old sinful habit? I want my way. That was a child. I want my way. I want my way, my thoughts, my ideas, my, 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 my. Everything is centered around me. And if nothing is catered to my way of thinking, my way of looking at things, oh, then I'll get offended. I'll get what? Offended. I don't like that. So, think of your sufferings as a weaning from your old sinful habit. How many of you are having several sinful habits? God will allow sufferings to wean you of that sinful habits. And I believe for so many of us, you know, sometimes he allows situations to come into our life so that we will uh, uh, lessen our uh, expenditure. Forced expenditure, meaning what? Forced expenditure means live on less. Live on less. So that I can give you more. Yeah. See, the old sinful way of life is to, like, you know, what does a child do when you give him a five dollar bill? Have you seen children? The moment you put everything into their hands, first of all, their hands are like this. And you put anything into their hand, they take that thing and they'll put, goes right into their mouth. So God says, wait, you ask and you do not get because you spend it on your own lusts. You adulteresses and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Why is there so much of wars and strifes among you? Go to James chapter 4. Okay, maybe put, put it in message, let's see. Let us let message give us a surprise, I don't know. <laughs> if it is not, okay, chapter 4 verse 1 on watch, bro. Like that. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. I like that. They come about because you want your own way. And fight for it deep inside yourselves. You want your own way. That is the reason why beating your body to subjection is such an important thing. Normal days... I was telling Peter, after a long day at church office, I go back to home and uh, wife is asleep, children are asleep, and I just get up and I'm just relaxing, you know, it's okay, I don't matter, doesn't matter when I sleep. But now, I have to sleep at this time, I have to get up this this time. If I don't get up, I'm gone. I'll be put to shame here. (laughs) Do you want that? God says, no, 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 Lord, no, Lord, no, Lord. You need to wait on me then. What was happening? The beating your body to subjection Stop telling your body to have its own way. That is fasting. Fasting is just not starving. Fasting is telling your body and your mind, stop having your own way. Basically, that is the point. Spiritually. It's not a big thing. Just because you are fasting, it doesn't make you holy. No. You have to fast with a purpose. And some people don't need to fast from food. They have to fast from speaking, first of all. Remember those days, no? In movies, they'll say, what are you doing? This is not speaking today. Why? I wish so many believers learn from Gentiles to do Maunrath. Fast from speaking. 
Because you want your own way. The tongue says, oh my goodness, I'm not speaking today, it's paining. Muscles are aching. Pray in tongues. Speak less. No. Tongue says, no, no, no. It's itching to call somebody. I don't have your own way. They come about because you have to have your own way and fight for it deep inside yourself. There's a sangharsh which is going inside. A fight and a battle. And then go on. You lust for what you don't have and you're willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and you will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? (laughs) And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you do not, for what you have no right to. Your spoiled children, each wanting your own way. And therefore he says, you cheating, you are cheating on God. You are children, you are cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world, every chance you get, you end up as enemies of God and his way. Oh my God, he's got a lot of surprises, I say. Message translation has got a lot of surprises. Today, um, I'm not using it as scripture, but I'm just using it as an interpretation to see it. See how incredible this is. The lust to have our own way. Let's go back to First Peter chapter 4. Since Jesus went through everything you are going through and more, learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. I don't want my own way. That's what I said, right? So first of all, it starts with will. If anyone wills, to do my will. And then goes on. Then you will be able to live out your days free to pursue. Wow! Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. Tyrannized. The tyranny of the self will. In other words, your your self is a tyrant. Do you know that? Taskmaster it is. And it will never be satisfied. It's like a beggar's bowl. You know, Richard Bumbran gave this incredible <laughs> example, okay. So there's this king in the kingdom, okay, and he's going on the roads. And there's one guy with this beggar begging ball. And he's like this, okay. And uh, the king goes to him, how come you are a beggar in my kingdom? Don't you know, in my kingdom there should not be any beggars? Uh, ask what you want. He looks at the king and he smiles. King, uh, I don't think you'll have sufficient to give me. Hey, what do you mean? I'm a king. Come on now. Ask me what you want. Okay. Fill my ball with gold. As much as you have. He looks at the ball and he says, this ball with gold. Hey, get me that tray. My purse. He takes full full bag of gold and he empties it into the begging ball. Within one second it disappears. He looks at it, how deep is this Baba? And then uh, he says, some more gold. Some more gold. He just keeps pouring the whole gold in his cart and it's empty. And the beggar looks at him and he smiles. My desire 
is too much. You can never satisfy it. That's a tyrant. Your flesh is a tyrant. Its desire can never be satisfied. Only who can satisfy it? God. That is the reason why our great man Solomon went into the tyranny of what he wants. Nothing satisfied him. You'll, then you'll be able to live out the rest of your days free. That is true freedom, isn't it? Free to pursue God's will is actually true freedom, isn't it? That's what Pastor said. He made a statement the other day. He was saying, true freedom is to pursue what you want when what you want is what God wants. Amazing. True freedom is to pursue what you want. That's what we say, right? I don't want, I want to own my own company. I want to be my own boss. Okay. So that is what people say. I want to have my own company. But he says true freedom is to pursue what you want when what you want is what God wants. Then that is fantastic freedom. And then he says, you're already, you've already put in your time in that God ignorant way of life. Okay, you already put your sufficient time. That's what he says. Right? A, you have spent sufficient time in living to the lust of your flesh. What is it? In God ignorant way of life, partying night after night, drunken and profligate life. Now it's time to be done with it for good. And then, of course, your old friends don't understand why you don't join with that old gang anymore. But you don't have to give an account to them. They are the ones who will be called on on the carpet and before God himself. I like that. Let's go back to First Peter chapter 4 and verses 1 to 4, 1 to 4 in the normal ESV translation to understand what is going on over here. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. What is suffering? Suffering is God's way to wean you off from that old sinful way of life in wanting to have your own way. That is your old sinful way of life. With the same way of thinking, arm yourself for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of the life, rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions but for the will of God. Your specific will. So in order to do that, you have to exchange your thoughts for God's thoughts. Your way of thinking with God's way of thinking. Your desire to have your own way with God's desire to have His way. Ultimately, it's it's con- connected with the will itself. Okay, and the next verse. For you have su- for the time that is past suffices to doing for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. See that lawless idolatry. That's what I was. That's what, that's what the whole point is. That is wanting to have your own way. That is idolatry. Hmm? With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So what do we do? Change the way we think. How do we do that? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, onwards. (sighs) 
see that that you walk circumspectly, not as wiles, but as fools, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then, redeeming your time. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand. Okay? Understand what the will of God is. How do you get understanding? Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 45. (laughs) And he opened their understanding. Who has to open their understanding? God has to open their understanding. But in order for God to open our understanding, something we have to do. What what do we have to do? 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 7. In ESV. What is that? Think over what I say. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. Then you will understand what the will of God is. By thinking. Meditation. Alochana vidhana ne marchakovali. How do we think? Very important. Okay? So we need counselors. Okay? First, so we exchange God's um will for our will, God's thoughts for our thoughts, and finally, God's emotions for our emotions. So how do how do we how do we do that? We emote biblically. <laughs> we emote biblically. That is the reason why there's a there's a full uh, book called Lamentations. Vilapa vakyalo, ela vilapinchalo, and ela bada padalo, ela anandinchalo. Anaduda, God only will teach us, God will teach us how to emote. And one of the ways, one of the very strong emotions that we have is what? Crying. <laughs> Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But you have to mourn according to God's will. How do you mourn according to God's will? By mourning over your sin. And mourning over the lost. You know, when Paul, even when he writes certain things, which seem to be very drastic, he writes them biblically. For example, let me show you. Romans chapter 9 verses 1 to 4. I tell you the truth, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. What is that? That I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For whose sake? For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brother and my countrymen according to the flesh. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Isn't that a hyperbole? In other words, you are wishing that your name be cut off from the book of life? Come on. You are becoming too emotional. No, no, no. You know what Paul says? I have a precedence for it. I have a biblical precedence. What is the biblical precedence? Exodus chapter 32. Verses were last, last three verses. Last four verses. If I am right. If I am right. Let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Let's see. Just a little bit. Just a minute, please. <clears throat> 32, brother. Uh, 31 onwards, yeah. Then Moses returned to the Lord. 
and said, Oh, these people have committed a what sin? Normal sin gadu. Mega sin. Idolatry is so serious. A great sin and have made for themselves a gold. God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if you, if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. Strong emotion, isn't it? So you know what, what, that's exactly what he is also saying. I think the most, the two most educated people, one of the old, in the old covenant and the one in the new covenant, both have the same emotions. And you will never think that Paul has such strong emotions. But look at what it says in Romans chapter, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 20 verse 31. Acts chapter 20 verse 31 and verse 36 and 37. No, sorry, 30, 31, that's enough. Acts chapter 20 verse 31. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn you Want everyone night and day with tears. His strong emotions. I think when he, whenever he used to think about his kinsmen, that is Jewish people, he used to start crying. You know why he used to start crying? Lord, in your sovereignty you saved me, but I am much, much worse than so many of those people. Because they have a zeal for God. I bear them witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They are about going about to establish their own rightness, righteousness, and they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Lord, do something. And therefore he says, don't ever think that God is done with a Jew yet. If God is done with a Jew, then I wouldn't have been saved. The very fact that I am saved, it means that God is not done with the Jew. So you Gentiles don't become conceited, he says in Romans chapter 11. Okay, so understand that. Okay, so strong emotions are required. That's the reason why Jesus wept. When did he weep? Over Jerusalem. It says that Jesus wept. You know what the words, verse in the Greek has this connotation that he was, his entire being was moved with grief. And then when he was, uh, when he was carrying the cross, his emotions were absolutely in control. And when the daughters of Jerusalem were crying, he said, daughters of Jerusalem, hello. <laughs> you don't weep for me. Weep for you and for your children. Okay. So, our emotions for his emotions. Okay. We are all emotional people. In different, what is a strong emotion that we have? For men? Anger. Bah! Spot on. That is the reason why he says, be slow to speaking, slow, quick to hear, and slow to anger. That's what, that's what Tim Keller says, right? Not no anger, not blow anger, but slow anger. Why? The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We have to be angry at our own sin. We have to be zealous at our, at the, for the name of God. That anger is a very good emotion. But directed in a proper way. Be angry and do not sin. So anger is good emotion. But once we have our will submitted to God's will. Our thoughts being transformed. Mind being transformed by the will of God. What has happened now? Our emotions are under control. And we have his emotions and our emotions. That is the message of the cross. Understand everybody? Okay, let us go to the next case. Next false statement. Uh, it put it in the NASB, okay? I like it in the NASB because NASB puts two fours over there. Verse 36 and 37. Okay. Uh, chapter 8 of Mark. Verse 36 and 37. For what does it profit a man 
to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul. And for what will a man give in exchange for his soul? He he's, he's putting that argument with this. If you don't exchange your thoughts for my thoughts, your ways for my ways, and for your, your emotions for my emotions and your will for my will, what will happen? You'll lose your whole soul. <clears throat> See, you have to put a premium on the salvation of your soul. Price tag. It's like, let me give an example in our cricketing terms. Rahul Dravid, when he goes into the batting as a test player, can you get him out? No way. That's the reason why it's called the wall. What is a wall? See, these are all metaphors, okay? When you, when you, when, it's like when Rahul Dravid is going onto the stadium, into the, into the batting pitch, when ballers look at him, he puts the price on his wicket. They'll, they keep on balling and balling, they'll throw bouncers and yorkers and outswingers, they'll try to test him, they'll try to tempt him. You put any outswinger, what does he do? Well left, well left and with very, too much of style also. You know what, he knows exactly where his off stump is, you know that? The way he takes his guard. He knows which balls to leave, which balls to attack. You guys are sorry. I'm, unfortunately, you don't have the beauty of our, our cricket. It's a beauty of a, of a sport, especially test cricket. Okay. You should see the way he leaves. That itself is, as a, is a treat to watch. And you know what? <laughs> what the commentators say? Well left. Oh, come on. You didn't even play a shot. Leaving the ball itself is beautiful. Wow, the way he ducks at a bouncer. He does not give his wicket. That's the reason why he's called a what? Wall. That means you imagine now, Chatan, Divar. When Rahul Dravid is coming to bat, a wall is coming to bat. And now we have another guy called Chateswar Pujara. That fellow, he will eat his breakfast, lunch and dinner on the pitch. Night watchman, day watchman, every watchman he is. He will put a price tag on his wicket and he will Somebody said, no, I think it was Sunil Gavaskar. 150 balls played, 32 runs. Can you imagine? Those ballers might have got tired. That's exactly his, his whole purpose, to tire. It's what we call perseverance, endurance. Put a price tag on your soul. You're saying, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I might fall several times, but I'm not giving up on this journey. I put a price tag on my soul. No matter what the enemy throws at me. That's what exactly what happened to, happened to Jake, uh, Joseph. It says, what entered into his soul? Iron entered into his soul. Boy, that guy became a chattan. Nothing could stop him. You know why? No attack from the, from the, from the, from that enemy could stop him. No accusations could stop him. No menial jobs could stop him. Nothing could stop him. He was like a chattan. He was like a soul who put a price on his wicket. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> do we have a price on our soul? Or do we give in for, Foolish and senseless pleasures. 
one look, gone. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his own soul? What? How much do you value your soul? Is a question. Therefore, First Peter chapter one verse five onwards. So what do we ask? Who are protected by the power of God? Who is our wall? Therefore, the God, our wall is the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. What has happened? So many trials are coming, trying to break you, but on the contrary, what is happening? Your soul is getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. You are not succumbing to any pressure. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires and the, for other things and the pleasures of this life is not choking the word of God, but on the contrary, what is happening? Next verse. So that the proof of your faith, being much more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And verse 8. Whom not having seen, you love. So what do we perceive in? In love. Though now you don't see him, you still believe, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That means you have this attitude of persevering till the end. You're not going to give up. You're going to put a price tag on your soul. Price tag. You know what, in, in basketball terms, point guard. Point guards, you know what a point guard is, right? I mean, for people who know about basketball, a point guard is a guy who blocks every point. He puts his life on the line. Or you're like Rahul Dravid, not Rahul Dravid, uh, Rafa Nadal. Rafael Nadal is good, always come back to him. Rafael Nadal, is, I'm telling you, no. He is not an attacking player. He is one guy who will fight for every point. Some of his rallies, 54 rally, short rally. You should go and go to go to YouTube and this is 2012 uh, US Open, okay? 2012 or 2014 US Open. One of the US Open with, with uh, what's his name? Uh, his arch and arrival, not Federer. Federer is gone, Baba. He has proved, he has steamrolled Federer a long time back. Federer is, stands no chance with, uh, with uh, Djokovic. Yeah, you know what? There was a 54 short rally. And after the rally was over, this fellow was standing. That guy won the point or lost the point, I don't know. That fellow went flat on the ground like that. Completely gone. He lost so much of energy. This fellow is still standing. He puts his life on every point. And that is the reason why he attracts me so, so much. Not like Federer with his shots like this and shots like that. And, and, and they call Djokovic a robot. He's got, he goes and does that, no? He's like a, he's, he plays like a robot. He's all predictable fashion. But Rafa? Indigenous, I say. Okay. Is one of the best clay coaters ever. Clay coat, you can never put him down in clay coat. It's impossible. He's got 12 French opens. 12. 12, guys, 12. At 13, I don't know. If I, I think it's 12, yeah, it's 12. 12 French Open titles. 12, yeah, 12 French Open. 
4 US Open, 16. 2 Wimbledon, 18. 1 Australian, 19. Yeah, exactly. See? <laughs> My statistics are absolutely right. 12 French Open, guys. To get one French Open, you should die. That is perseverance. Okay. Perseverance. Okay. You don't give up easily. Don't give up easily, okay? Don't give up easily. Put a price tag on your soul. Don't rejoice over me, my enemy, when you fall. You should tell him. What should you tell him? When I fall, I will still arise. I will wait for my God till he brings my justice. He will plead my cause. He will plead my cause. I will show you one example. Turn with me to Luke's Gospel chapter 18. Two examples. One example, Luke's Gospel chapter 18 verses 1 onwards. Though he, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, there was a certain city in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. And they go on. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he though for a while, uh, and he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, Yet because of this widow, this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming, she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry night and day to him, though he bears long with them, I tell you, he will revenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? On this earth. Will you find faith? This kind of a perseverant faith. Perseverant faith. And when you fall. Micah 7. 6, 7, 8. Uh, 7, 7, 6. 7 I think yeah. Yeah, yeah 7, 7, 7. Micah, 8, 9 and 10. No? Micah 7, 8, 9 and 10. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, 8, 9 and 10. Do not rejoice over me. Okay, yeah, verse 700. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. Actually, you can look from verse 6 on. Verse 6 onwards. For a son dishonors father, daughter rises against his mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are of the, are men of his own household is exactly what Jesus also quotes. And then goes on, he says, therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. What am I going to do? I'm going to wait. Like we looked at yesterday, no? Waiting, enduring, patient, perseverant. My God will hear me. And then he says, rejoice, do not rejoice me over my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Until he pleads my case and executes justice for me, he will bring me forth to the light. I will see his righteousness. Meaning what? I am going to say, Lord, I failed, Lord, but I am going to come back to you. I will. I, I might have I might have flunked here, flunked over there, but Lord, I want to come back to you. I am not going to give up. I am not going to give up. This one thing I will do, forgetting those which are in the past. And pressing on. Holding on to that which what? Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Okay, hold on. Don't give up. Put a premium on your soul. This is the message of the cross. You know what message of the cross is? Put a premium on your soul. Wait patiently. 
And then finally, Mrs. Mark chapter 8, verse 38. <coughs> 38. <coughs> what happened? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. That's what it all is. That's exactly how it starts off, right? How did it start off? Idolatry start off. Idolatry started off because you were ashamed of the message of the cross. And that's exactly where we are ending. That's how we are ending. He says, if you are ashamed of me in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of uh, the father and the holy angels. What does it mean? It means this. The message of the cross is going to offend you. Okay, don't be ashamed of it. Second, don't be ashamed of the messenger. The message and the messenger. Don't be offended. That's exactly what happened to the great man, John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 11 verse 6. Oh, sorry. Matthew chapter 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, verses 1 to 6. Sorry, I, I I didn't put much. When Jesus finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in the other cities. Now when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples. This is the same man who said, I must decrease, he must increase, etc. And said to him, are you the one expect, are you the expected one or should we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to him, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me and my words. Both. And my words. Don't get offended. It's going to offend you. The message of suffering will offend you. We have to be patient in suffering. Suffer long. Love suffers long. For all of us, maybe this lockdown is a suffering. It is nothing when compared to other people what they are suffering, right? But it is a suffering in some sense. But how long will be able to persevere in the suffering is also the important question. So, Second Timothy, Pastor Paul will say something very interesting to his prodigy, spiritual prodigy, not ordinary prodigy. Second Timothy, chapter one, verse six onwards. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Go on. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. That is the message. What is the testimony of our Lord? The message of the cross. The witness, the martyrdom. Testimony means martyrdom of our, of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the testimony, is his witness. Nor of me, his prisoner. That is the messenger. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. And then, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before the time began, but now has been revealed to us in this last hour of time. Okay, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And verse 11 and 12. To which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, what? I am not ashamed. Then therefore, you don't be ashamed. For I know whom I have 
believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. Meaning, I am not going to give up. You know, because I know whom I have believed. I am not ashamed. That is the reason why he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes. So what is the reason why people fall into idolatry? Because they are ashamed of the message of the cross. They are ashamed. They want instant. What do they ask? Aaron, make us gods. And what does Aaron say? Give me your earrings. Give me your earrings. Verse 3 of First Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four, verse three. Second Timothy chapter four, verse three. <laughs> For the time will come when they will not endure sound te- teaching, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, which will suit their own passions or their own desires. What will they do? They will turn their ears from the truth and they will be turned aside to stories. Stories. Therefore, how you deal with delay, essentially the message of the cross here in this case, determines whether you will fall into idolatry or not. Right? Will we endure? Or will, will we be overpowered? Turn with me to Exodus chapter 32, verse 17 and 18. You know that story, right? <coughs> 17 and 18. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. You know what he says? But he said, It is a noise, it is not the noise of the shout of victory. Nor the noise of the cry of defeat. But the sound of singing I hear. What does he hear? You know, in other words, you know, this is the quintessential problem of Christianity. There is no shout because they have won a victory over sin. There is no cry that they have been defeated by sin. But they are always celebrating. There is no war. There is no message of the cross which says, you know what, you should overcome sin. And because they don't overcome sin, there is no victory. There is no sound of victory. Neither is there a cry for mourning because they have been defeated by sin. But they, what, what do they have? They have all singing and singing and singing. Jesus, you are the righteousness of God, brother. Doesn't matter. God understands, etc, etc, etc. Idolatry. Idolatry. The question is, do we really mourn? Do we have a celebration when we have overcome sin? Really, no? Today, man, I was able to overcome my anger for such a long time. Thank you, Jesus. I've come a long way. Thank God. Yes, there's a long way to go, but at least I've come this far. Like what what, uh, what we have in uh, uh, Exodus chapter 17. Ebenezer! For this far, Lord, we have come. There's a celebration. There is neither a celebration for victory over sin, 
There is neither mourning over the defeat over sin, but what is there? Reveling in sin. Like pastor was talking in the morning, he said, you know, people want deliverance in their sin. (laughs) They don't want deliverance from their sin. They don't mourn and say, Lord, I goofed up, Lord. And because they don't mourn, they don't have a sound of victory. And God, Joshua says, there's no, this is not a sound of victory. This is not a shout of cry or mourning or for defeat. But this is a cry of singing and celebration in their sin. Because they have not been challenged. Never accept the message of the cross. What do we do? What will we do? Let's see the final verse for the day. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 48 to 51. But if that evil servant says in his heart, (laughs) what does he say? My master is (laughs) delaying in his coming. Delay. And begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with his drunkards. This is exactly what he's doing. And then what happens? The master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and at an hour that he's not aware of. And he will cut him into two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's how we started this message, right? I will give you cleanness of teeth. In almost chapter 4 we said that, right? Will you turn to me? But if you don't turn to me, finally, you will have what of teeth? Gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you once again this morning. Grant us grace, O Lord, to receive the message of the cross. Enable us not to be ashamed of it. Enable us not to be ashamed of the message of the cross, nor of the messengers of the cross. A great danger in these last days. But enable us to honor those who admonish us and exhort us in the message of the cross. It's so easy for us to fall into sin. And this morning, O Lord, grant us the grace that we will exchange our will for your will. For your word says, if there be first a willing mind, not according to what one does not have, but what according to one has. And therefore, to the best of our ability, what we, what we know about ourselves, Lord, we surrender our will to you. We want to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in us to will and to do according to his own pleasure is what your word says and let it become true and reality in our lives. Enable us to exchange our will for your will. Our thoughts to your thoughts. Our emotions to your emotions. Teach us your ways. Continue to show us your paths and lead us into the way of everlasting life. We thank you, we praise you for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.